of the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word of God is good, isn't it? Well, we'll find out. I'm preaching a sermon today called The Last Day's Church. And uh, there's a lot of reasons that I'm doing this, but I believe that we're in the last of the last days. Let me say that again. I believe we're in the last of the last days. There's a, there's a group of people who will actually be here when Jesus returns. Now, will that be us? I don't know how long the last of the last days are because the last days lasted 2,000 years, so I don't know. But, but, I, but something happened, and we didn't enter a new season, but something happened in the spirit realm this Easter and I know things changed. I just know that inside. I think a lot of people are sensing it. And I'm going to show you from the word of God that, it, that something did happen. So Acts chapter 2, and I want to read something to you about the church. And, if, and, and I'll let's just pray. Father, as I, I want to say this in a way that we hear it and understand and walk in the light of it. And it's palatable for us. And that we're, we can do, be a doer of it in Jesus' name. Amen. I preached a sermon Wednesday night, probably pretty strong, on church. I woke up one morning and the Lord said to me, four in the morning, I love my church. He was very strong with me. He said, I love my church. That's my gift. I love, and he loves the local church. He loves the church. Somewhere along the line, we came along and decided to make adjustments in the way church should be run. The book of Acts was given to us as a blueprint. This is the blueprint for the church. And it never should have changed. It, and, it, and it didn't change, not in the heart of God. Another thing that happened this year, and it struck me, um, it really had a massive impact on my soul, was um, the pastor of Eagle Mountain... Um, George Pearsons, he said he was in South Africa a couple of years ago, and, one, and, he, and he was praying over a sermon, and the Lord said to George, I want my church back, and he was real strong with George, and, and, um, and, and George went back home, and they started making adjustments for the Holy Ghost to have his way in a service. Am I right? You know, why did we think we could have a church without him? But yet today that, that's happening. People have church, no Holy Ghost. And so, you know, it's his church and it should be run his way. And I want to read something to you about a Christian, about the church. Um, Acts 2.17, it'll come to pass on the last day, says God. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Now, I told I was joking this morning with Justin, because Justin has a lot of dreams. And I said, this proves that you're an old man now. <laughs> and Justin looked at me and says, that doesn't mean that in the Greek dad. <laughs> but he was right. It actually means mature. But, it, but he says, it shall come to pass. Now, he's talking about the church, talking about people who call themselves Christians. Come to pass. I'll, I'll pour out your sons and daughters prophesy, your old men will see vi uh, visions, and uh, your old men will dream dreams. I mean, I, I hate reading off screen, so please forgive me. And I'll show wonders in heaven, signs in the earth beneath, flood, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. And he's talking about people in the church. And, and now go to Isaiah 60 with me. Um, I'm going to do a little bouncing around this morning, just... Be patient with me. Isaiah 60. And he's going to talk again about the church in the last days. And we're here. We might as well learn what it's going to look like. Arise and shine, verse 1, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness to people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And Gentiles, that's the lost people, shall come to the light. Kings, Christians, shall come to the brightness of your rising. Lift your eyes all around and see 
they gather together, they shall come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be nursed at your side. He's talking about the family of God, and you'll see and become radiant. Your heart will swell for joy because the abundance of the sea, that's the fish, the lost people will be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. That's talking money. And the multitude of camels will cover your land. And he's talking about something that's going to happen in the last days in the church. Now, he makes a statement here that I don't want you to miss. And let's jump back up. It says, darkness will cover the earth. We're entering a time period where the sinners are getting worse. I mean, they're not even playing a game anymore. I mean, they're not even, they're not even hiding anything they're doing anymore. I mean, they flat, when they came out and said, we want to abort children even after they're born, I'm like, I mean, they don't even care anymore. And we're starting to see, uh, and, I, and I watch, I, I went back and I got to tell y'all on something. I went back and listened to David Wilkerson's prophecy in 1960. 1960. You'd have thought he was reading newspaper. When he prophesied homosexuality on the rise and abortion, everybody who heard his prophecy, told him he missed God. And they branded him a fanatic. You're, just, you're crazy. And he talked about what's going to happen in the last days, the last of the last days. And folks, we're here. Okay. So, so I, I like the part about our light will shine and all that. But, but I've got to go, go, go with me to 2 Timothy and I'm going to show you, I'm going to read a scripture about the last days. And I need to ask your permission. Not that I need your permission, but I do need your permission. You don't, you don't realize that when I'm starting to preach a message, if you don't like it, you can shut it down. Yes. Did y'all know that? Yeah, you can. It gets quiet. I don't want to hear it. And I want to make a statement to you. I, I feel that pastors, and me included, have done a disservice to you. Have we told you the whole truth? Have we? I don't think we have. There's a reason for that. I like preaching redemption, prosperity. I like it. I love it. I don't like preaching live right. It gets quiet. It's cold in here without the AC. But when you do this for 30 years and you keep running into people, and especially their kids, who used to go to this church and they don't live for God anymore. It starts to concern me and I, and I ask this question and I'm asking you this question. Have I done you a disservice? By not teaching, especially the younger people, the ramifications for wrong. And, and my heart, it, I, I'm not mad at anybody. It, it bothers my heart when I see a, a young lady that I used to know come to this church. And I meet her and, and she don't live in Florida anymore. And, and she's living with a guy and, and she's got five kids and he's got five kids and she's back smoking, drinking. And, and I'm not, I'm not condemning her, but I'm going, God, did I, did I mess up? Did, did I not, did I, did I preach? Did I not explain to you that if you come to Jesus, that you're going to repent of sin and, and then, and, and you're going to have to pick up a Bible and live for God because the world is not living for God. They're rebellious and you're going to be tempted, and you're going to go through stuff. If I, did, I, did I not help you with that? Am I the cause you're where you are? No, and I'm going to be honest with you. I check my own heart because I like, I like being, I like it when y'all walk out and go, good sermon. But I also have Sundays when y'all go out the right door.
Come on, y'all know. And, and it becomes a temptation to just leave subjects alone. I just leave that alone. Because you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to go over like a lead balloon. You know, one of them is spanking kids. It just, you want to you you get a chill in the church? Talk about raising kids. Disciplining kids. Amen. And there's just some subjects that just don't go well. So that's one of them. So I want to read something to you out of 2 Timothy. And I'm asking your permission because I, I need, I want you to hear my heart. I believe, I see things in the spirit. I see them. God shows them to me. I see church members in the last days, churches that are not going, they're, they're going to come to church, but they're not going to live for God. And they're going to say, I'm okay, it's all right, we're, you know, and yet I see a divide and I even see it now when I'm preaching a message. So I want to say this, please hear me. When I got saved, the first thing God did was get on to me. He said, get rid of the dope, get rid of the playboys, get rid of it, throw it in the garbage. Then, and then he said, get a job. And then when I got a job, he told me to quit being late. My experience with him was that he was correcting me more than anything else. But it was love. It was the best thing that anyone could have done for me at that time. And I asked him, I said, do you hate me? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> always on my case. And it, and it dawned on me when I read the Bible, he was always on the disciples' case. And I want y'all to understand that today, the, the, the uh, church is designed to make you feel good. Come on. And, and you may, what happens when you go home and go, I don't feel better. I don't, he didn't make me feel good. What you vote, you just go, all right, well, let's don't go back there. God's not in that place. He might be in, listen, in all due respect, when's the last time you got onto your kids and it, and they didn't feel good. I had Ashley threatened to go live next door one time and I packed her bags. <laughs> go, get out of here. You know, <laughs> threaten me, kid. I brought you in the world. I'll take you out. But you know, This is not optional. Thank you, Jesus and Justin. This is not optional information that in the last days, and the word last there is the Greek word final, moments of the last days. He's talking about the way the world will be when you and I are living in it in the last of the last days. And what you're about to read right now is like you're reading newspaper. Perilous times will come. What does that mean? Now, let, me, let me read it to you. Hurtful, harsh, cruel, ruthless, cutting, wounding, ferocious, fierce, uncontrollable, unruly, dangerous. The only other time that word is used in the New Testament is to describe the madman of Gadara. He's talking about people in the last days. And we're here. Right? All right. Now, what I'm seeing is that the, that, that world is trying to get into the church. It's trying to get into our Christianity. 
And, and I believe it's my job to help keep it from happening. Go to John 14, 12 with me. Now, let's talk about what, what it really means to be a Christian now. And, and I'm gonna, I got to say what I got to say because a preacher's got to do what a preacher's got to do. <laughs> I can't pastor you if you aren't interested in the Bible. I'm not sure where you thought I was supposed to pull out of a hat. But whenever I'm preaching something and you go, I don't like that. I, hey, what can I, what in the world do you want me to do? I can't fix that. So I have to use this book and I have to use more of it than we're using. So I'm going to read a scripture to you and it's a, it's a tough scripture and I'm, I, I, maybe I should have read this years ago. John 14, 12. Now, now, now just forgive my melodramatics right now because I'm going to do something really goofy looking because I want to make a point. I say to you that whoever believes in me, the works that I do will he do also. Woohoo! And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to my father. Woohoo! And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that he will be the Father, be glorified in the Son. Woohoo! And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Woohoo! And if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh no. Now, 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 let, let's, now let's get serious here for just a minute. Let's get real. Let's, let's, you're Christians. You say, I'm a Christian. Jesus said, a Christian is a person who keeps the word of God. I can't change that definition for you. If you love God, keep his commandments. And that means if you're not keeping them, you do not love God. Amen. Come on, y'all. And yet in church today, it's like, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a dope smoking, beer drinking, hell raising Christian. No, you're no, you're not. No, no, I don't come to church, but I, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. Folks, there's a birth canal to Christianity called repentance. We were supposed to repent of sin and come to God. Now, I didn't say that we wouldn't be tempted. I didn't say we live perfect lives. All right, let's go over. Let's go over this because I, I want you to see this. This is not just one, two places in the, in the, in the Bible. And I'll pray the Father to give you another helper. He'll abide with you forever. The spirit of truth in the world will see. Woohoo! Now look at verse 21. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and will manifest ourselves to him. Now let me say something to you and, and just don't throw anything at me. Don't come to me and ask me to pray for you and override your disobedience. I can't do that. You haven't been living for God. You hadn't been tithing. You don't, you don't read your Bible. You're, you treat your wife ugly and mean and you come in here and you go, we need prayer. And then we throw it all on God. And then your prayer don't get answered and everybody goes, what happened? And, and nobody knows. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. God did not mess up. And I think maybe we're not looking at people and going, it, it, it may be me. It's probably you. I, I, I would like to look at y'all and tell you that I have always obeyed God but I'd be a liar have I had the devil tempt me yes I would like to tell you that I'm doing good for most 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 is not all but it's most and and, and pat myself on the back but sometimes I have to go back and go wait a minute do I qualify Now, Brother Hagin, T.L. Osborne said something about Brother Hagin. He said he is the most loving man he's ever met. And I thought, that might be why 
God uses him like he does. Maybe, maybe there's a correlation between his love for God and his walk with God. Okay. Let's look at another one here. First John chapter two, go over there. First John chapter two, verse three. And again, we're going to read the same thing again. By this, we know, we know him. Talking about a Christian. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him, and doesn't keep his commandments, he's a bald-faced, unadulterated, lying son of a gun. I I wrote that. (laughs) You're a liar. I didn't say it. I I didn't say it. Are y'all okay? I'm, I'm amazed at how many Christians I meet who steal. We're talking salesmen, businessmen, and it's okay. Situation ethics. Lisa and I were watching a show the other day, and, and I won't tell you the name of it. It was probably Hallmark. <laughs> and the lady told a lie because of a business deal that was going bad. And, and later in the movie, the lady looked at her and said, well, that was bold of you and brave. And I got up and looked at Lisa and I said, it's a lie. It, it's called situation ethics. Situations, ethics is not Christianity. There is no reason under the sun to ever lie, even if something good came from it. Don't lie at all. Stop it. Don't stop lying. You don't need to steal, ever. If God meets your needs, don't steal. You don't need, and every time I ever deal with someone in their marriage, every time, every time, it's always the other person's fault. It's not my fault. And I was unable to uh, live for God because I'm married to them. Always. And I'm thinking to myself, and I told Lisa, have we ever sat down with a married couple and had the one wrong look at us and go, I'm wrong. I'm in sin. Oh, God, forgive me. If it has, I don't know it. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And, and I'm, I'm thinking, have we, have we preached this right? It, what, what happened to, I'm wrong. I told Lisa one time, I said, between you and I, and we do this at our home with our marriage. When she's wrong, she comes back and looks at me and goes, I was wrong. That's how you stay in fellowship. And when she's wrong, I tell her, you're wrong. (laughs) And you're going to (laughs) repent. And she tells me all the time, she says, I can't stand it when you tell me I'm wrong. I said, I know. And vice versa. There have been times I've done things and she says, well, you're wrong and you know you're wrong. And I just get all mad. Come on. (laughs) You know, I just get mad. It just makes me mad. And I get stomp around and holler and get upset. And, and when by the time my heart settles down, my flesh settles down, I know in my heart that I got to go repent. And so I wait longer than she does because she's more humble than I am. And I go in there and go, I'm wrong. She goes, I told you. But that's, folks, that's how you stay in fellowship with people. That's how you have a good marriage. When you're wrong, you're wrong, and you admit it. When you're wrong with God, you walk in there and go, God, I'm I'm wrong. I got to change. I got, oh, Father, I'm wrong. And I'm going to tell you something. I've had to do it in in this church, in this pulpit. And I'm going to tell you something. There's been Sundays that I was wrong. And I had to, God's like, go back and apologize. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Well, you're going to. <laughs> yes. You'll stop doing stuff. Yeah, right. If you publicly 
have to humiliate yourself to, out of your mind. Come on. Anyway, let's, let's read another one. Um, and I didn't have this written down, so please. 1 John 3, 22. Whatever we ask, are y'all ready? We receive it from him because he is good. Because of the blood. Well, all that's true, but because we go to church, I tithe. Because we what? Keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Folks, you and I cannot expect God to show up in our life and manifest and answer our prayers when we know we're not doing what he told us to do. And, and that's, that's, y'all are being very gracious with me right now because y'all haven't shut me off yet and I'm preaching pretty strong to you. Are y'all understanding this? We have a generation in the earth that's coming up right now and, and I heard a preacher say this, uh, well, he was a traveling minister and he said, I got invited to a church and they told me, don't use the word sin from my pulpit. I don't want you to offend anyone. I went, well, he wouldn't have me. That might be why I don't get invited a lot of places. <laughs> Now, I'm not, you know, the devil will beat you up until you hadn't done enough. Uh, and, and you and I both know that. We, we, we need to go back and plead the blood of Jesus. But, you know, whenever, and, and, and there's times that I have wrestled with God. There's a scripture that says, they that are led by the Spirit of God. The word led is the Greek word wrestle. Wow. It means they that wrestle. The Holy Spirit is constantly wrestling with you to be in the will of God. If you're a Christian, you've experienced this. You're, you're going through life and he's all awesome. oh, mm, oh, I know, I know. I, no, God, no. I don't want to do that. Are you, I mean, y'all, am I the only one? And, and yet to walk with God, you, you've got, you've got to walk, you've got to yield to him. And sometimes it isn't sin. I told Lisa this the other day, and I'm telling y'all, I did something stupid because I tried to figure God out. But one day he told me to quit shooting my bow. And I thought, that's stupid. You gave me all things freely to enjoy. And I'm fighting with God and I'm giving him scriptures. <laughs> right? I could not understand his thinking. He gave me the bow. He, this, are you, are you telling me not to enjoy my day off? What's, and I fought with him. I, I fought with him and I did not listen to him. I'm telling on me, not you. About a month later, I tore my left shoulder up and he went, And it took me years to recover. He's trying to help me. And I'm fighting with him. Because I'm reasoning. Cast down reasonings. God, that don't make sense. Until you explained it to me, I'm not doing it. And I was so defiant. And I mean, you can ask Lisa for years. I couldn't even get my arm up. He goes, well, I, I was, you were overworking your arm. I was trying to get you to quit. For, just lay it down a while. Let your arm build back up. Not me. <laughs> so now, about a month ago, he said stop. And I went, I'm doing it. <laughs> I don't know what you're telling me. And I don't know why you said that. That's it. You just say it to me one time. I'm compliant. You tell me when I can go back and do that again, but that's perfectly fine with me, Jesus. Thank you. And I'm not God. You're not God. I mean, you're, 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 you need your conscience when you're praying. You need your conscience to be clean. Or your faith won't work. Okay. Let's, 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 
Matthew chapter 3. Let's go back over something that I believe we have failed to teach. I believe we failed you. And I'm going to tell you where I first heard this. Um, it's been two or three years ago. Rick Renner was at Kenneth Copeland's. And he said that when he came to America, the Lord said to him, everywhere you go, preach on repentance. In faith and word churches. Let me stop for a minute. We pick on the Baptist because they don't want to hear about tongues. And we pick on the Baptist because they don't want to hear about prosperity. But faith and word people, we got our issues too. And we don't want to hear nothing about no sin because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we don't want to hear about no repentance. Come on. And it's not an easy subject to preach in a word church. You talk about a bunch of Baptists. But he said this, and I went back and I did a little study on it, and I began to think seriously about it. Matthew 2, 3. No, Matthew 2, 3, 3, 2. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to move quickly. And y'all try to keep up with me. Verse 8 says, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance. He who's coming after me is mightier than I am, whose saddles I'm not worthy to carry. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, when he, it says, at that time, Jesus began to preach and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John preached it and Jesus preached it. All right, now let's look at let's look at a couple, let's look at some more. Acts 2:38. Turn over there. Is repentance scripturally gospel? Yes. It's the birth canal to the new birth. Now let me tell you why, because I like to explain why God does things. In, in the parable of the sower, the sower sows the seed. It says that, 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 that the guy heard the word of God and then the devil came and tempted him and he fell. And I read that one day and I thought, I thought well, there's nothing he could do about that. And then the Holy Ghost arrested me and said, yes, there was. You see, when you get saved, if you'll tell the devil from that day forward, you're done. Then he's not around to bother you. Does that make sense? All right, let me give you an example, and I'm, and I'm going to use Jack Hayford. I went out to his school one time, and I was sitting in his church, and he was talking. He was doing a leadership meeting, and he said he had a young man that came in his church that was a homosexual, and he wanted help. And so he came to Jack, and Jack prayed with him, got him born again, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, he said, he started watching the young man's life and he was coming to church. And then he started noticing that he didn't, he wasn't acting as, as on fire for God as he used to. So one Sunday he walked up and said, give me your phone. And he took his phone out of his hands. This is in church service. And he says, I want to see, I want to see the lineup of the people in your phone. And he says, if you have anybody from San Francisco, get out of my church. And I went, oh, if you want to get free, you got to go. That's it. No more. I'm done. I don't, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I, I, listen, when I got saved, I smoked dope. And after that, I, I stopped. I didn't hang around people who did. And I, and listen, I don't even look at cosmopolitan magazines now. It's not a matter of, well, aren't you holy? Yeah, because I don't look at nothing. I have nothing. I don't even have the weather channel in my phone anymore. Because sometimes the weather channel, and I don't know if y'all know this, I'm not trying to tell you something. The app, you're going down there trying to see the temperature, and it has something about puppies. And it ain't puppies. I mean, them some puppies, baby. <laughs> and I gave my phone to my Lisa one day and I said, fix this stupid phone. I said, everything on it that gives me puppies, I don't want it in my phone. 
Now, y'all can imagine me at the restaurant, and I'm going down to the restaurant, and the puppies are popping up. You're going, oh, my God, I was next to pasture the day, and I'm going, it's the weather, it's the weather, it's the weather. But you know how to get rid of stuff? Just, just get it out completely. Cut it off. Jesus said, if your hand offends you, take a, he's not talking literally, take a hatchet, whack that sucker off. Your eyeball offends you, gouge it out and throw it away. He's talking about get radical with the things that are trying to come back in your life. Don't play around with this stuff anymore. When I got saved, the, the dope went, the marijuana went, the playboys went, the rock and roll music went, went the dump. I don't even listen to country western music because it's borderline. I mean, if you want your dog to come home and your pickup truck start running. I mean, and, I, and, and I know people that go, well, it's fine for me. Was, listen, the way I lived, it wasn't fine for me. The way I was living, I cut it. I cut it all. And you know what happened? The day, the week I got saved, my best friend bought me a case of beer. And I said, you've never bought me a case of beer. He said, well, I felt led. I said, the devil led you to do And I put it back on his truck. I never had a girl approach me until I got saved. I said, I found the secret to women. Get saved. (laughs) But you have to know they're there. You have to know it's there. And you have to make up your mind what you're going to do before it gets started. Are y'all okay with this? All right. Acts. Acts. Let's. Let's. Let's go to Acts 26 and I'm going to show you something. Because I want you to see it. What did Paul preach? Paul, the great mighty apostle of grace. What did he preach? Look at this. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I declared first those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and Galilee that they should believe in Jesus. Is that what it says? That's not what Paul preached. What did he preach? He said that they would repent, turn to God, and do works fitting of repentance. That's what Paul preached. Come to God. Turn from sin. Come to God. Receive Jesus. Come to church. Get your Bible. Let's go. Okay. So he preached repentance. Go to Jude chapter 1. Let's get a little stronger here for a minute. The reason I'm doing this is I'm watching Christians and I'm going, and I'm asking the question, maybe we should stop saying, are you a Christian or not? Maybe we should say, are you a rebel or not? Because an unbeliever is a rebel. They're They're rebelling against God. So what is a Christian? It's a person who stopped rebelling. Right? Am I right? So is there such thing as a rebellious Christian? No. There's no such thing as a rebellious Christian. Look at him. Now, this is Paul. This is Jude. These, and he's talking about people, are spots in your love feast, talking about church. They feast with you without fear. They serve only themselves. They're clouds without water, carried about by the wind, laid autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, and pulled up by the roots. Now, let me tell you what happened. These are people who used to be saved. I don't have time to get into all that. But I thought at least I'd show you one and not go too deep. Because you're still happy right now. (laughs) Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And he's talking about people in church. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men and said, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints 
to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers. Look at this list. Complainers walking according to their own lust with great with they, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Now he's talking about Christians here. He's talking about people in church. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there's going to be mockers in the last time who walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. But you, beloved, why is he saying this? I'm going to show you why he's saying this. He's talking about the world you're living in. He said, listen, folks, it's bad. But I'm going to give you the answer to it. If you're going to live for God and you're going to be clean and holy in the last days, you need to build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's go. Let's go. Keep yourself. In the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Nobody's keeping you. You're, you're keeping you. God's not. On some have compassion, talking about people that you know, people who, who are in church, make a distinction, and others save with fear, pull them out of the fire, and hate the garment defiled by their flesh. Now, him who's able to keep you from stumbling, if you commit to him, he will keep you. And present you faultless before the presence of God with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, power forever and ever. Amen. He's talking about the last days. He's talking about Christianity. He's talking about living for God in the world. We're in the world. It's getting worse. It's getting darker. But we're not getting darker. We're not going to get darker. We're going to get better. Our light's going to shine. We're going to get full of God. All right, now let's go, because I got one really, really good scripture. Zechariah chapter 4. I get to close with a really good one. I never told my story, Lisa. I got to tell my story. I'm trying to remind myself, why did I not tell my story? Because I forgot it. But last week... I was talking about the Bema Seat of Christ. And, and again, it, it, it's hard for Christians. To, we've heard all of our life, you come to Jesus, he washes you in the sand, you die and go to be with Jesus and everything's fine. Well, that's, that's true. Partly. Right? And, and, I know, and I know that in your heart you know this. So the other day I was praying about Last week, I preached on the famous seat of Christ. And the Lord gave me a story to tell you. And this is the story. He t- he, there was a man, he, ha- he was a businessman, and he ran a business, but he had a man worked for him for 30 years. Now, the man that worked for him, and we're going to name him Bob. His name's not Bob. It's just I made it up. It has nothing to do with Bob in the church or Bob Zukowski. I just named him Bob. I'm not picking on Bob. But we'll just call him Bob. And then Bob works for him, but Bob has always been kind of a, you know, about a half dedicated kind of a, a scrupulous guy. He's, he's, he's worked for this guy for 30 years. And he wants, he, he wants him to go away with what he deserves his due. And how do you do that? How do you give someone their due? So he came up with a plan. He thought, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So he calls Bob in his office and says, Bob, you know, you've only got like a week before. This is your last week here and you've worked for me for 30 years. He says, I have one job I want to give you to do. I just want to give you a job and I need you to do this before you retire. He says, I have a good friend and I want to bless him. And I'm going, I'm going, I want you to buy a piece of property here in town. And he said, I, and I want you to listen to me, spare no expense for my friend. 
and buy a piece of property and I'll tell you what to do. So the guy walks out of the office and says, buy a piece of property for your friend. I've worked for you for 30 years. You never bought me a piece of property. And you want me to go out and just buy your friend a piece of property. Well, I'm going to go buy him a piece of property. So he goes out and he sees this really nice piece of property down by the ocean. He goes, ah. And then he goes down to the hood and goes, ah, that ain't going to work. So he finally finds a, a property in a decent neighborhood and he buys it. And it's a certain price. And he goes back and he lies about the price. And he says, I need this much money. And they give him the money and he pockets a little bit. I'm make, a little, make, a little, make a little change on the side. Yeah, baby. We got this now. Man. So he buys a piece of property and he goes back and he says, okay, I bought the property. And he says, what do you want me to do with it? He says, I want you to put a house on that. And he says, well, what kind of house do you want? And he says, he says I, don't know. I don't know your friend. He says, my friend is a lot like you. My friend is a lot like Whatever you like, he would like. So I want you to build him a house. And if you like it, he will like it. So he goes out and he starts looking at houses and, and he finally picks one. And it's okay, it's okay. And he puts cabinets in it, and he, and he goes, and he cuts corners, kind of, good, kind of the cheap cabinets, you know, cheap. And the countertops, and just kind of, you know, for mica, just kind of carpet, and just get the, get the normal carpet, put the carpet in there. And then they, they give him the money, and he kind of pucks it, put it in his pocket. And he's really cool. He's shady. He's got this down now. And he comes back, and he says, you do it? And he says, he said, you want to see the house? He said, no, I trust you. I trust you. He said, um, he said, now, one, one last thing. I want you to put some furniture in it. Put, spare no expense. And he goes down, and he calls the furniture company, he puts a bed in it, puts stuff in it. It's kind of, you know. So he says, well, listen, I want you to come to the, to the, you know, the party this weekend, and we're going to give my friend his house. And he said, I want you to be there with me. He says, okay, I'll do that. So he comes and he comes to the party. He's walking around and going, I don't know what he's talking about because I know everybody in here. I don't see his friend. And he's waiting and finally the boss gets up and says, well, you know, I have a really good friend and, and, uh, and, and Bob here went out and, 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 and built him a house this week. And I told him to begin with, spare no expense. And Bob's still looking around. Where's this guy at? And the man looks at him and says, Bob, you've been with me for 30 years. And he hands him the keys. And Bob is sick. Oh, I'm going I'm to throw up right now. And what's he say? What's he say to everybody? But yeah, thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. He can't tell a soul what he did. And he goes and sits down and goes, that property on the ocean. <laughs> that big old house. That marble countertops. Oh, Bob, you're an idiot. And the Lord told me to tell y'all something. You're not working for him. You're working for you. Everything you do is for your benefit. If you're a slop Christian, when you die, you're getting slop. You're building your house. Well, I don't think I should be in church Sunday. You don't have to be. I don't think I need to help with no banquet. I don't need to help with no banquet. Every time I come down that church, I always want to use me for something. Asking me to work in a nursery. I ain't working in a nursery. I ain't my kids. I raised my kids. <laughs> hey, Bob, listen. <laughs> I hope you're laughing out of joy because uh, that could be pain right there. <laughs> There's no way in the world a pastor can make you do anything. You're doing it because you love God. All Bob had to do was just be moral. 
honorable. Just be a man of honor. Yeah. When, 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 I, when he told me that story, I thought, I'm going to pray more than I've ever <laughs> prayed in my life. And, and he says in Zechariah, when he comes back, he's, he's bringing his reward with him and giving you and I what we did. That's, that's quite an eye opener. that? So how are you treating your wife? How are you treating your husband? How are you raising your kids? Those things are not small. That's a big deal. Now let's go to Zechariah. I told my story. And it, oh, it's a fantastic story. And the, the, the good news is it's true. And the sad news is it's true. And I'm watching people and I'm going, you don't want to die right now. Not the way you're living your life. I'm a Christian. And I love the Lord. Well, that's obvious. I want to say a statement here, and I, don't want you, I want you all to remember this forever. Living for God is not hard. It's impossible. Don't ever forget that. It's impossible. Loving people with the love of God is impossible. Patient, kind, hardly notice when they do wrong. That's impossible. Being on fire for God, that's impossible. But Zechariah chapter 4 verse 1. The angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who wakens out of sleep. And he said, what do you see? And he says, I'm looking there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And the, the stand, seven lamps and seven pipes to seven lamps and two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. And so I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me and said, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me said, do you not know what they are? And he says, no, my Lord. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain before Jerusalem? Who shall stand before a plain? He shall go bring forth his capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. What is the menorah? What is the menorah? What is that lampstand with seven things? We see in Jewish temples, that's the light that lights the darkness. When God came to in the garden, he walked with Adam in the cool of the day and Adam had to have God in order to, in order to have a life. In other words, God's greatest desire has been to fill you and I with himself. And whenever you are full of God, you're full of the oil of God. Get this. It's the oil that's giving you life. It's the oil that gives you light. It's the oil that gives you knowledge. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's the oil of joy. In other words, if you, if, if you, if, if, if you don't have joy, you're going to swap it for happiness. That's what the world has got. But if you're going to be a born-again Christian in these last days, you're going to have to hook up to the olive tree, which is God, and you're going to have to let that oil flow out into you and let God light your fire, and you will live this life of holiness before God because you're hooked up to God and you're full of the oil of God. We were designed to be a full, a vessel full of God. So how do you know when someone's in, in fellowship with God? All of the fruit of the Spirit's there. All of the gifts of the Spirit there. In the book of Acts, the first thing he did with his church was fill them with the Holy Ghost. You can't have a church without the Holy Ghost. So you go to God and say, God, I, I need... Listen, grace comes when you repent. Not when you decide, I'm going to be a Christian. No, you repent. Then he gives more grace and he fills you with oil. 
then what was hard becomes easy. Jesus walked the earth full of God. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem, guys, until you're full of the Holy Ghost. We've been preaching a message of Jesus, and, and we need to preach. The church needs the Holy Ghost. But, but, but we, we need one more element. We need to walk away from sin because you're not going to walk with God with sin in your life. Ouch. Oh, me. That's the daily walk, guys. That's daily walk. In the days we're living in, there's going to be a great divide in the church. I read to you about the church. I'll pour out my spirit. I'm telling you, there's coming a church in this earth today, and the world is going to be astounded at it. But it's going to be a supernatural church. All the things that are happening, you can't, you're not going to make it without him. There's going to be a group of people fall back because sin abounded, the love of many grew cold. Talking about Christians. Say, not me. Amen. Now, I just preached holiness and y'all are still happy. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I say this to you right now. Don't. If you're in here right now and, and God's dealing with you, I don't want you to get in condemnation, but I do, I do want you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and go, uh, uh, there's changes, I want you to make them. Make them. Make them. I don't, I, I, what I want to say, I, I really I do want to do and I don't want to do it. Something happened when we took altars out of churches. Yeah, there was... There were years ago, at the end of church service, people would get up and come up in the front and just spend time with God. And you had a very moral church. I don't mean everybody's perfect. I don't mean that. But Pentecost was real Pentecost. Move of God was real. But people, people really, really kept very close walk on their life. Back in early America, the McGuffey readers, all of the books in school were on character. Yeah. I mean, everything, people talked about character all the time. We hardly mention it in church. We must, we must. You must let me preach like this. You must. I mean, I'd like to preach on the things that are in the world. The world is going crazy. And my heart goes out to the younger generation. They're more susceptible now than anybody else. And I'm watching them. They get to a certain age. They walk out of church. We don't see them anymore. And they go, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's pretty strong. You love God? Good. Do you, Paul? You better love God more than you love her. I love God more than I love Lisa. And the good news is she loves God more than she does me. Because she's told me before, I, it, it's because I love God. I put up with you. <laughs> but it's true. We all want to make excuses of why we're like we are. It's a lie. It's a lie. It was an old man. Brother Hagin told the story. He said, when I first came to this church, I couldn't stand an old lady, blab mouth. An old woman right there in that church running around to gossip and run her mouth. He said, I couldn't stand her. And then every time that old man right there, every Sunday morning, he'd jump up and start shouting. He said, it irritated me the way he acted. And he said, everybody in the church just irritated me, just made me mad. He said, then I got saved. And he said, I love old sister Blabmouth. She's just the sweetest thing. I tell you, she's just faithful to God. And then when old brother, old so-and-so gets up and dances, it just thrills my heart. What changed? Well, it wasn't the people around you that changed. It's you that changed. Amen. 
All right, I told you the story about the guy's house. Here's the good news. You ain't dead yet. You want a nicer place? Let's go to work. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I take this job as pastoring before you as very, very serious. I take this serious. I love the people sitting in this room, and I love their kids, and I love these young people that are coming up. Father God, I feel a personal responsibility to make sure that they understand how to have a good life, not the way the world said it is. I'm asking that they leave today with, with grace on them, and they walk out of here and go, well, that was good. I needed, That was good for me. It was good for my soul. And I, Father, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice who's not right with you, I, I, I ask you as they step up and just, Father God, just help me out. And they're praying, even maybe right now. And Father God, forgive me of that and wash me in the blood. And I'm making a decision. I'm making some decisions about my life. And Father, all of us in this room have done this at one time or another, maybe today. But Father God, thank you for grace. Thank you for the fact that we're hooked to an olive tree that never runs out of oil. And that you're able to keep that which we've given to you. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I didn't, get, I didn't have anybody throw anything at me. And some of y'all will actually leave and go through the left door. So, Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.